Second Chronicles chapter 33, verse 1. Manasseh was twelve years old when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty and five years in Jerusalem. That's a good long reign. He was the son of Hezekiah, who was a very good king. 2. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, after the abominations of the nations whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. His grandfather was a pagan worshiper, and he also was a pagan worshiper, even though his dad was not. Sometimes sins can skip a generation. 3. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down, and he reared up altars for the Balaam, and made Asheroth, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven, and served them. He was a star worshipper, and that's why astrology is not good, because it's all based on star worship. And he also worshipped Baal and Ashtoreth, which means that he sacrificed his children to the demons for fertility and power. 4. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. This means that he put pagan idols inside God's temple, where the Ark of the Covenant was. And this is really heinous to do this. He desecrated the temple. 5. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. He built altars to the stars. 6. He also made his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and he practiced soothsaying and used enchantments and practiced sorcery, and appointed them that divined by a ghost or a familiar spirit. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him. So he did the entire gamut of witchcraft and Satanism. He made his children walk through fire to their death in the valley of Hinnom, which everybody believed was synonymous with hell because that's where you walked through the fire until you died. Unfortunately, in hell you never die. You just keep suffering for all eternity. But that was the closest thing to hell on earth that they had. And he made his own children go through that valley. Soothsaying means fortune-telling. If you're into fortune-telling tarot cards or even the Ouija board or going to a witch who has that globe or whatever that she looks at. All of that is soothsaying. He used enchantments, which means he used magic spells and tricks. A lot of people today think using magic spells is great, but it's not. It's Satanism, and God is completely against it, and it absolutely is a sin. Even if you're a Christian and you're into magic spells, it's a sin. And practice sorcery. That also is a higher level of magical arts and appointed them that divined by a ghost or a familiar spirit. He also asked witches to talk to so-called dead people. Now, when a witch claims that she's hearing from spirits from the other side or whatever, she's actually talking to demons who are disguised as people who lived in the past. The people who lived in the past cannot come back, but demons can pretend to be those people because demons have been around for thousands of years and they still haven't died because they're in their eternal state. They have witnessed hundreds of generations of humans, so they know things about people from the past and then they share that with a witch or somebody who thinks that they're reincarnated, and then that person thinks they're getting it from a person from the past, but they're just getting it from a demon who knew that person from the past. Anybody who has an angel guide, that is a familiar spirit. That is witchcraft, and the angel guide is no angel. It's a demon. 
And you know, life coaching kind of gets into this a little bit because with life coaching, it's like a step toward it because you have a human giving you advice on how to live, which is completely against scripture. The only advice we receive is from the Holy Spirit and nobody else. And then to bump it up a level, then they encourage you to ask your spirit guide or your guardian angel or your angel guide, whatever they call it. And that's actually a demon. And that's when it goes up into a higher level of Satanism where you're actually having conversations with a demon. 7. And he set the graven image of the idol, which he had made in the house of God, of which God said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. Who is the name of God? That is Jesus Christ, his son. Jesus is the name of God, which means that God's temple was in honor of the son. And King Manasseh was putting a graven image in there where it should have only honored the Son and the Father. 8. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from off the land which I have appointed for your fathers, if only they will observe to do all that I have commanded them, even all the law and the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses. And that was what God said. If they will simply obey my commandments, they will never be kicked out of Israel, and they will never be oppressed by their enemies. Why is Israel oppressed today? Why have the Israelites been kicked out of Israel more than once in the past? It's because of sin. Now, I'm not saying that they sin more than the rest of us do, because they don't. We all sin the same amount. But because Israel is a sign unto the entire world of God's plan for all of us, Israel usually pays a higher price for their sin than the rest of us do, because they're a sign. So we should always have our eyes on Israel, because if we keep our eyes on Israel, we'll realize that every time they obey the Lord, they're blessed, and every time they turn their backs on the Lord, they're cursed. 9. And Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err, meaning he caused the people of Judah and Jerusalem to sin. Because of his leadership, he led them into sin so that they did evil more than did the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. He had the Israelites sinning even more than the pagans that they had driven out of the land when Joshua was around. 11. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. Which means that the king of Assyria, which is Syria, actually kidnapped a bunch of people from Judah with hooks and fetters. A fetter is like that metal thing that goes around the wrists and the ankles and attaches to chains. The hooks could mean a few different things. It could be that they put hooks in their nose and pulled them by it, because people back then did sometimes have hooks in their nose for decorative purposes, and maybe it could have been used for slavery as well. It also could have had something to do with binding the fetters to the chains, and hooks means thorns, so it also could have been some sort of severe corporal punishment that they were shown when they were taken into captivity. 12. And when he was in distress, he besought the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Manasseh realized he was wrong after his people were taken captive into Syria, so he humbled himself and repented. And this is why God allows us to be punished a lot of times, is for our own spiritual good, so that we'll finally come to the end of our rope and repent of our sins. Because God sees eternity in our lives. He isn't looking at just the here and the now. 
God sees eternity and he knows that if he allows you to be punished now and you repent, you'll be with him forever in heaven. But if he doesn't allow you to be punished and you continue in your sin, then in eternity, you'll be in hell. So that's why God is willing to punish us. It isn't because of hate, it's because of love that he punishes us. 13. And he prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him, and heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. Either Manasseh was also kidnapped, or just his people were. But either way, his people came back after he prayed to the Lord and repented. God heard his prayer. When you repent, God is listening, 100% guaranteed. God doesn't hear all of our prayers because some of our prayers are made in pride. Some of our prayers are made deceitfully. Some of our prayers are made in ignorance. But when we pray in repentance, he is listening and he will answer. 14. Now after this, he built an outer wall to the city of David on the west side of Gihon, in the valley, even to the entrance at the fish gate. And he compassed about Ophel, and raised it up a very great height, and he put captains of the army in all the fortified cities of Judah. Which means, after he repented of his sins, God did two wonderful things for him. God brought him back home, and allowed him to fortify Judah again and rebuild the gates and the walls to protect the people. Now this protection came because of peace between Manasseh and God, meaning that Manasseh's sins were forgiven. When your sins are forgiven, you get spiritual protection from many, many things. Here Manasseh is fortifying Judah so that it's again protected. Now Gihon is the spring that his father had redirected so that Israel would have more water. Ophel is a district in Jerusalem, and the fish gate is one of the gates of the city. It wouldn't make sense for there to be a fish gate at the temple because they don't offer fish as a sacrifice. It makes sense for the fish gate to be of the city because that would be where the fish would come in to be sold. 15. And he took away the strange gods and the idol out of the house of the Lord, and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord, and in Jerusalem, and cast them out of the city. This is true repentance. He isn't faking it. When he told God he was sorry, he meant it. So he hauled out all of those idols. You know, sometimes people claim that they've repented of their sins, but they don't make restitution, meaning they don't right the wrong. And if you aren't willing to right the wrong, you aren't really sorry. God knows when we're truly sorry. Now, sometimes you cannot right a wrong because it's out of your control. And in that case, simply repent from the heart and God will forgive you. But if there's anything you can do to make something right, you must do it. That's called restitution. And that is biblical. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. Whenever people repent, they make restitution. And it's even required in God's law, written in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, which we've already read, that restitution is required by God. For instance, if you stole money from somebody and it's within your power to pay it back and you don't, you can't be forgiven because you haven't made restitution and God knows that you're not really sorry. God is too smart to believe our lip service. 16. And he built up the altar of the Lord and offered thereon sacrifices of peace offerings and of thanksgiving and commanded Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. So at this point, Manasseh knew that he had been forgiven he needed to offer a peace offering to show 
that he is thankful that he has peace with the Lord for his forgiveness. And then the thanksgiving offering is fellowship with the Lord, meaning that he now has a relationship with the Lord. That's what the thanksgiving offering symbolizes, that you have a relationship. So when you give above and beyond tithe to the Lord, you're celebrating your relationship with your Father. 17. Nevertheless, the people did sacrifice still in the high places, but only unto the Lord their God. They didn't destroy the mounds that were made for the pagan altars, but they started sacrificing to the true God on those mounds instead of the pagan gods. 18. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer unto his God and the words of the seers that spoke to him in the name of the Lord. And seers means prophets, so the words of the prophets that spoke to him. The God of Israel, behold, they are written among the acts of the kings of Israel, which we've already read. 19. His prayer also, and how God was entreated of him, and all his sin and his transgression, and the places wherein he built high places, and set up the asherim and the graven images. Before he humbled himself, behold, they are written in the history of the seers, meaning that the prophets wrote about him. And so when we get to the books of the prophets, we will read about King Manasseh again. 20. So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his own house, and Amon his son reigned in his stead. Manasseh must have had his own palace, separate from the original palace that King Solomon built. He wasn't buried in the sepulchres of the kings, because evidently he preferred to be buried in his own house. 21. Amon was twenty and two years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. 22. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as did Manasseh his father, and Amon sacrificed unto all the graven images which Manasseh his father had made, and served them. When Manasseh died, he was serving the Lord. But then his son started sinning as soon as his son became king. Sometimes when we raise our kid in sin, then even if we get saved later, the kid is still has all of that sinful stuff implanted in their brain. So it makes it a little harder for them to come to the Lord. But they still have full opportunity. And the Lord will still work with them. So if you raised your kid in sin, and now your kid still isn't saved, just keep praying and keep believing. And God will speak to your child. So King Amon is now causing Israel to sacrifice to idols. 23. And he humbled not himself before the Lord, as Manasseh his father had humbled himself. But this same Amon became guilty more and more. Which means Amon just continued getting more and more evil, and he never repented, like his father did. 24. And his servants conspired against him, and put him to death in his own house. He was murdered by his own courtiers, and that's probably because they were sick of all of his evil. Or it could have been that those servants themselves were evil because of Amon's influence, and so they didn't have a problem with killing him. 25. But the people of the land slew all them that had conspired against King Amon, and the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his stead. So now Josiah, who is the grandson of Manasseh, is now king, and he became king because his father Amon was killed. But the men who killed Amon did get punished for it. And that concludes Second Chronicles chapter 33.